Welcome to the Ottawa Life Magazine podcast, coming to you from the heart of Canada's capital in downtown Ottawa. For the past 25 years, Ottawa Life has been the go-to print and online platform to discuss politics, music, art, social, and international issues, and more to keep you up to date. Thanks for tuning in with us today. In the studio today, it's Ottawa Life Magazine's podcast. I'm here with Devin Cuddy, who's uh, a well-known musician in this country, as, uh, as we mentioned at the outset. And uh, Devin has been touring for his new album, Dear Jane. He was in Ottawa recently. Devin, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Never better. Um, you know, I I was fascinated by uh, by your new album. And um, one of the things I, I want to talk to you about with regards to that album is to just to get a little granular a bit. Because, you know, during COVID and just as COVID ended and so forth, it was there was a huge moment in people's lives and we interviewed several people during that period and one of the interviews that stuck with me was Stephen Page formerly the Bare Naked Ladies who was down in you know he's Canadian but he lives in the American side of the border had a family up here and for him the COVID thing uh, became a thing of uh, of um, creativity uh, he he was in his studio and he was doing things and he had his podcast and then we talked to other musicians and for them it was a bit of obviously a downer because people weren't able to tour and get out there and um and be in touch with you know sort of in a real way with people and i was fascinated when i spoke with you you know off program just about how this album came together and how covid affected you um you you you're you're why don't you just talk about that for a second in terms of your creativity and that sort of thing. And, and I want to preface this folks by saying that during COVID, I was watching Devin and <laughs> Sam, your brother, Sam Polly, and your dad, uh, Jim Cuddy, of course, from Blue Rodeo. And you guys were doing some great stuff. I guess it was in your home or home studio and putting stuff out there. And I, you would be singing and he's watching you play the piano and your brother and the guitar and your dad. And, and so it just never occurred to me when I was watching that just tell us about how COVID affected you as a musician and your creativity. Well, we're sort of live show centric. So, you know, obviously that was taken away, which was uh, a big sort of hindrance on our life, our lifestyle and stuff like that. Um, and for me, I didn't find it to be a very creative time because I realized during this time that human interaction was the source of my inspiration for songwriting. And uh, I mean, a lot of my songs are stories and they're trying to take the voices of other people. Um, so I recognize that, you know, uh, still as a storyteller of sorts or trying to tell stories, you have to hear stories. You have to, you know, you can't just make them completely up or I can't at least. So as I was trying to do that productive locked in the house thing, I realized as very little was coming out of me that, you know, the human interaction that I get from playing live shows and going on tour uh, was is uh, a big part of my process, and so I I largely didn't have huge creative output in terms of songwriting. Um, so a lot of the songs on this record are from before, and we had most of it done before the pandemic, and we were going to release it, but then we felt that it wasn't right uh, without being able to tour to support the record. So the one song that I did write uh, during the pandemic was the title track, Dear Jane. Um, and that's the that's the one addition that's sort of a result of that 
I guess, lockdown. Can you tell us tell, tell us about that song? What, just what's the sort of so, inspiration for that song? So I watched a lot of television during uh, COVID, and <laughs> what one of the shows? Hang on, hang watched, on, hang on, hang on. What were you watching? Tell us a bit first what you were watching. Like, were you binging on series, or you're watching particular programs? Everything, man. Yeah, binging on series, and one of the shows uh, was Mash. I watched all of Mash uh, in its entirety. And the song was sort of uh, birthed out of that. So in the show, a theme that comes up a few times is Dear John and Dear Jane letters, which are letters from uh, the home front sent to the the, the front uh, to service members uh, saying that the spouse that's waiting for them at home uh, is breaking up with them. And so the song's not exactly about MASH, but, you know, the theme is sort of drawn from a, several episodes. And I wrote it uh like that i wrote it from a man's perspective sending to a female service member um and somebody actually asked me recently which i didn't even think about it's funny when you get this back uh you know this sort of reaction to your songs and you're like oh my god i didn't even think of that and i wrote this somebody asked me if the uh the writer or the writee is reading the letter like who the narrator is essentially and i had never really thought of it and I think I decided that it was sort of being dictated by uh, the writer. But it's funny so, when you get that perspective of the song and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. No, that's interesting because, um, yeah, I guess you would think that because I guess people interpret <clears throat> songs in different ways. That, you know, people who listen to <clears throat> songs or to a songwriter's songs. Like, for example, when I listen to the song, I mean, the, the obvious thing for me is, OK, who's Jane? Who is is this a fictional thing or is this someone in his life that it, there's he's pulling in aspects of, you know, maybe a relationship or someone in his own life? You just you know, those are the types of things I think of. Or is it is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? This one is fiction. I mean, I essentially I think I probably wrote it about Hot Lips Houlihan or something like that. I don't know. It was one of the characters in that. Hot um, Lips yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't put too much of myself into the songs sometimes if i do it's very buried in a way that would not be obvious uh, i like to sort of take why is that why is that uh i don't know i don't have a particular reason i mean i like to try and tell stories from other people's perspectives um and so in order to sort of take on a character um and try and use their voice to write the song you don't want to put, or I don't at least, too much of yourself into it because in my mind, it sort of corrupts the idea of, or it can corrupt, it doesn't always, the idea of of sort of getting into somebody else's mind and trying to speak with their voice and uh, through their sort of eyes. Um, and if you put too much of yourself into it, uh, it can, you know, blur what I like to try and do as a storyteller. Um, so do you, do you, so it's sort of like being an actor, I guess, right? It's, is it, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. You sort of putting yourself in this narrative and creating a storyline, a song line, like tell me about the chorus for that. Like how, how did that work? Like when you, when you write a song, and I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, when you build a song, there's a certain process and, there's certain lines in a chorus like 
how do you um how do you what like what comes first is it like when you are you play, like obviously you're, I mean you're a superb piano player I mean yeah yeah and as I mentioned at the outset like you 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 went to music school I mean you're you growing up you so I'm told, you learned the piano you you had to learn the piano yeah. your, your folks God bless them got you to play the piano as a kid because you know when you <laughs> want to don't want to be practicing every day but apparently you had to do that right um, that's right we were forced yeah yeah well good, good for your folks on that because that yeah. worked out because I think it, it is correct good. me if I'm wrong, but I mean, when I was a kid, my mother wanted my siblings and I to learn the piano, and I hated it. Like I, I mean, I like the music, but just the practicing, I hate it, you know. And um, and and so I obviously didn't succeed at that. But the point is, I I get the discipline. You have to do it. You have to sit at the piano and do it. Um, and I'm going to sort of circle back to what I was asking, but I just want to. So, so when you're a kid and you're practicing and learning the piano, is there is there a certain point when you go from, gosh, I don't really want to practice today, where it goes the other way and you just say, hey, to relax or to decompress or to, I just want to sit on my piano and play? Does that happen? I mean, that and when does for that me. happen? Yeah, that happened for me. I don't know that it necessarily happens for anybody, or maybe people quit before they get to that point. Now, I believe that that happens when you've learned the meat of the fundamental stuff. And that's the hard part, um, especially when you're a kid, because you don't really have this macro view of what you're going to be able to do once you learn all these scales and blah, blah, blah. And for me, it was when I had um, a good handle on that basic rudimentary stuff and I could start sort of creating for yourself or what you can play opens up. And so you can kind of go in a direction that's more interest-based. Um, for me, it was sort of early jazz and blues, excuse me. And, uh, you know, for other people, it's rock and roll. For other people, it's country, whatever it is. Um, so I think that barrier you cross when you are able to to do it and apply it to your interests a bit more. Because, I mean, no, no kid's interest is running scales, I don't think. I mean, if there are, then they're going to be just fine in this world. Yeah. But, uh, so, but when did so, that happen some people for you? Don't make like, it to that. Uh, like 13, maybe 13. Is it, yeah, now, I, is that around the time? Cause it, okay, because I've read in, in other interviews that you've done um, that you, when you were around that age and learning this, that you discovered jazz and new orleans jazz and that sort of thing from records in your home or or yeah and in fact um i recall once speaking with uh your your dad in an interview the of course the famous jim cutty blue rodeo um and and he said to me I, this is a couple of years ago but i remember we were talking about an album blue rodeo had out and and i had mentioned you and your brother and the fact that i had seen you guys play it i thought you guys were phenomenal and your dad said well uh, you went to York or music school, and then he, he mentioned this thing about you. I said, well, how did you get into blues and jazz? I thought it was because of something related to, you know, maybe your family gone to New Orleans or something, but it was you found records or something in your home or jazz records or something, and you you sort of got inspired by these. Can you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it was. they're actually CDs, funny enough. Uh and there was my dad just had a big a big uh collection and uh we all just kind of found our own corners of it and that was the corner of it it was a sort of spanning collection of a lot of different uh genres and and that was the corner that i found was like blue armstrong i think was the first stuff 
and then it moved on to other New Orleans blues and jazz. And I started playing the trumpet in school bands sort of as a result of that. Um, and that also uh, sort of spiked my interest in it. And then it was transferred over to the piano as I was carrying on with lessons and stuff. Um, was it so, yeah, harder it was... to learn like a horn instrument than the piano? Uh, that's a good question. No, I don't think so. The piano requires a little more um, sort of coordination because there's two hands and multiple voices going at once. Um, but <laughs> I never got very good at the trumpet. So what do I know? <laughs> I mean, I played in the so, bands and stuff like that, but I started getting more into piano later on and the trumpet sort of fell by the wayside. Um, but that, that, uh, yeah, that was sort of what spiked it for me. So when you, when you, um, are in a pro, like when you sit down to, to do a song, to write a song, what what comes first is it like is it is it the mute is it the you start messing around your piano keys and then you come up with the lyrics or is it the lyrics and then the music or how does that work like i just i just find it fascinating for um, example where yep. i'm going with this is like elton john and his uh his partner bernie top they 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 he does the music and then no so he writes the lyric how does it work with them though one guy does a mute the elton. piano and Elton writes the Bernie Toppin writes the music. Or sorry, marks the lyrics. And the Elton lyrics, writes the right. music. Yeah. So uh for me, I honestly first? I don't it's for me, I don't have a uh like a system. It it's kind of it can come in any way. Um uh, often some lyrical idea comes to you first, but then you pair it to a musical idea that I've had in a completely separate seat sitting. Um but sometimes you have a you force for me you just force it in the other way. I, uh, I, the one thing that I I I know that I don't do very well is like to lock the door and lock yourself in and be like, okay, today I'm going to write a song. Mine has to come from some version of a eureka moment, whether it's instantaneous or whether it is something that I've been thinking about for a few days or something that I've been whistling um, or humming rather. So I don't have a tested and true uh, way of doing it. Um, which it has its moments of excitement and its moments of frustration as well. Um, but uh, I do it. So like you, you write a song and then come back, like write part of it and come back to it later. Or do you do it all at once or is it? I try to get a whole thing done at once because uh, I have part songs that I just can't. I feel that I can't sort of get back into that headspace in the way that I like. So I end up with a partially finished song. Now, usually the solution to that is you're supposed to take them to co-writes, which I think I'm going to start doing, um, but haven't generally in my uh, career. Um, so I like to like, I mean, I like to have a fully realized idea and then tweak it later as opposed to be like, OK, I have one verse and half a chorus and I'll write the rest later. Even if I have just lyrics that I don't like, I like to kind of fill it out so that I can go back and replace parts as opposed to add whole sections. But that's just and, me. So once you have a song written and you've developed the music for it, how do you then go to the next step with your band to get them to? I mean, because that's this is original music. So how do you get yeah. them to do that? What they need to do in the guitar and the drum? Like how does that work? 
Like, do you, do you, do you say to them, like, um, Here, this is what I've got? Yeah, yeah. We, do you guys we can get layer together. this and play this part or how does that work? Yeah, we come together and uh, the song is usually mostly realized. <clears throat> and then, you know, like a beat or something will either be kind of obvious or we'll work on that stuff together as a band. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's not a lot of, uh, like form or uh, stuff like that that I do with the band. Um, it's guitar parts, bass, drums, parts. But yeah, we all get together and just sort of hammer out the different details. And once it comes together in a way that I like, off we go. Now, something I wanted to ask you about as well is um, I, I've seen you play live on stage uh, on believe on two occasions where, where you were where Barney Bentel was on stage. Um you seem to you guys seem to have a a pretty uh a, a pretty dynamic and good relationship. Um just any influence he's had mm -hmm. on your music and what you do. I mean this is Barney Bentel, you know, a revered Canadian singer and songwriter mm -hmm. and just a superb performer. So can you just maybe speak about him for a moment and your relationship with him? Yeah, well, our families have been friends our whole lives. We went out to the, his ranch when we were kids, and I've, we've known all his his kids who are sort of similar-ish in age to my siblings and I. And so first and foremost, he's been a family friend, and we've made music together more as adults um, with my brother and his son, Dustin Bentall, and him and my dad. Um we do uh, these uh, sort of charity or fundraising event trips together where we're kind of the entertainment for a bunch of Canadians raising money for a, a music counts, which is a great Canadian charity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we, we have traveled and created together like he's an uncle. And so one of the songs that we played a lot together was come back to me. So I started yeah. playing with my band just cause I knew it and, and it really took form in our live show. Um, so we decided to record it because it we had been playing it live for a long time and it just felt part of what we were doing at the time. And we did it and we had him come in and Barney had rather come in and sing on it. And and that was really cool to hear him sort of sing in some backgrounds and call and answer stuff on his own song. And yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, as an opening track. I thought it was fantastic, and I and I it was just it's a great song. I think a lot of people will recognize it, and and your sort of um, your sort of take and groove on it is is really fantastic. As is the entire new album, Dear Jane. How are you feeling about the album now? It's been over a month. Uh, it's out. Uh, you had a great show here in Ottawa. Um, how how is that going? And as you head into the Christmas months, and 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 we're heading into twenty twenty four. How how are you feeling about things? Uh, you know what? The response has been great. We did a Ontario run uh, afterwards uh, that was to support it immediately, rather, which was all very good. I realized that we've been sitting on some of this material for so long that I, I wasn't aware of how sort of relieved I would be to have it out um, and share it with the world. Uh, so that was a really great feeling that uh, was more a little more unexpected than I thought. And we're looking to do the West in the new year and just keep taking the record as far and wide as we can. Um, and it's something that we're proud of. And so 
feeling pretty good so far. Well, um, I before you end this, I, I have one more question, but I, I just want to tell our listeners of the Auto Life Magazine podcast that this is a an absolutely uh, fantastic album. Um, uh, we highly recommend it. And, um, you know, when uh, Devin, when you came out with your first uh, album, uh, it was nominated for a Juno Award. And uh, we just, you know, we get a lot of uh, uh, music at the magazine. And it's this is one of our favorite albums of the year. There's no doubt about it. And um, I had our one of our, our people who do design with the magazine had a question. And I promised her I would ask this question. And it's about the cover <laughs> of the album which they yeah. they love they said that that is a her, her take on it was that's a brilliant cover it's such a great photo and conceptually it's just it's so simple but it's it's not simple it's but it's a great shot and who took that shot for the for your album cover it's uh you're holding you're in you're basically in in blue jeans and you're holding flowers and it looks uh it's just a great shot so so who who did that so her name is Shelly Hayes or Lady Hayes as she goes by. Uh, she reached out to me randomly a while ago about doing a photo shoot. I never really wore jean jackets very much. I have since this photo shoot. Um, and they're just these great pictures that I had for a little while. And Tom Inescu is the name of the guy who designed the record cover and everything. And I, I said to him, what do you think based on the record? And he said, I think this picture would be great. And then he put it all together from there. And I actually, I like its simplicity as well. I'm glad that you, uh, glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, we passed it around the office and everybody loved it. It's just, it's such a, you know, it's always a hard thing to visually present yourself, right? On a, especially I would think on, a, on, on an Ooh. album or a CD or, or <laughs> you know, for, to, to speak for what your music is. And uh, people here loved it. I encourage our, uh, everyone, you can see it online, uh, you can purchase it online. Um, and, uh, and we just, uh, again, Devin, uh, we want to thank you so very much for joining the Auto Walk Magazine podcast. We wish you the very best. We'll continue to follow you uh, in the new year. And, of course, uh, you're a very uh, musical family and extended family. So thank you very much. And, uh, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all that stuff. Well, folks, we'd like to thank Devin Cuddy for joining the Ottawa Life Magazine podcast today. Devin has upcoming shows on December 23rd at the Cameron House Christmas Party in Toronto with uh, special guests. Then on New Year's Eve, he's at the Cameron House New, Year New Year's Eve Party in Toronto. And on January 5th, you'll find him at Gary's Garage in Holland Landing. We'd like to thank Devin for joining us today on the Ottawa Life Magazine podcast. And we'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas.